Did your life flash before your eyes uh, on that first one? No, it happened too quick, to be honest. It just, uh, um, yeah, luckily Bush didn't get all of it. But, I mean, if you got all of it, probably wouldn't have gone where it got, went. So, um, you know, take that one, uh, take that trade off any day for a goal. Most painful goal you've ever scored or what? Uh-huh. Um, you know what? Yeah, I got, it, 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 you obviously felt it. Um, but uh, you didn't catch all of it, so... Um, Got a bunch off of different parts of the body. I think that's the first one off the face, though. So, um, yeah, it's a, it's a good one. You had about what, how many called back, and then they're going in like this tonight? Uh, huh. Well, you got to get to that area, right? So you get to that spot, pucks hit you, you find rebounds, score dirty goals, and uh, you know that's that's the way you score in playoffs. You know, it's uh, you know you get you got a pretty goal here and there, but a lot of it is is going to those tough areas and, and finding loose change, or I guess that it hitting you. And, you know, one off the face and went in and good bounce for us. Okay, so I know the story of the Oilers so far in this series. Oh, hang on, I'm getting a huge echo. Lance, if you could turn me down back at master control right now. Ooh, that's a tough one. That's a tough listen. Uh, okay, so I know the story. For, there we go. That's a lot better. Um, I know the story right now for the Edmonton Oilers is the play of Leon Dreisaitl. Now, this isn't as if, you know, Connor McDavid isn't contributing, and as the series goes on, he keeps getting better and better and more involved. But right now, the story is Leon Dreisaitl. The story is Stuart Skinner. But as this series between the Edmonton Oilers and the Los Angeles Kings continues to evolve, it is players like Zach Hyman specifically who are really starting to take center stage. And I know we all had the laugh about yesterday scoring the goal off his off his face, and you heard the clip there a, a couple of seconds ago. Um, the depth of the Oilers is now starting to shine. And it's not just Zach Hyman. It's other players. It's Bukestad. It's Matthias Ekholm. Uh, it's Brett Kulak, <clears throat> excuse me, who we saw yesterday, you know, but the flashpoint moment, we're going to look back on this series, <coughs> excuse me, that we're going to look back on this series kind of like we did last season with uh, Leon Dreisaitl and said the story is Leon Dreisaitl, the best stationary player in the league. This year we're looking at it and we're saying the Oilers are scoring goals off their face. They cannot be denied. And I'm not one of these people that believes in momentum from game to game, but there is something, and again, I don't know. I can't define it. Um, but there was something with Zach Hyman that carried over from last game to this game, whether it was like right after the Mikey Anderson slash, sitting in the penalty box, scoring the overtime goal, contributing every time he's out there in the game last night, scoring the goal off of his off of his face, going down the line, the train, holding his jaw as he's doing the high fives to everybody. Uh, Zach Hyman, this is your moment to shine. It's guys like him, as we've talked about before, it gets you through. Not the only player, by the way, to get hit in the face with a puck yesterday. Um, we go back to the Islanders and the Carolina Hurricanes. This was a game where the Islanders shaded the Hurricanes 3-2. But Sebastian Ajo catches one in the face, and then Brock Nelson bats it out of the air. Like, it's a pretty high-skill play um, for Brock Nelson um, to, put the, uh, to, 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 give the, uh, to give the Islanders the advantage. Let's hear Jordan Stahl before we get to Elliot Friedman here. Let's hear Jordan Stahl on Sebastian Ajo taking one up high, taking it off the face. Yeah, he... Uh... He wasn't pretty to begin with, so, um, you know, I don't think that helps him much. But, um, you know, obviously a, an unbelievable game by him and um, battle back uh, to give us a big goal and, and give us a chance. And um, I can't say enough about um, Fishy. He's, he's been an absolute beast. 
Okay, so just to recap, we've had two players hit in the face by pucks. We had Mor Morgan Barron with a frightening incident with the skate of Laurent Boissois. Does anybody want to have the conversation? Or is this all just a coincidence and accidents are happening in threes here? Or are we heading down the path of having that conversation? People hate it when I even bring it up. No way, not hockey, not a chance. That's how they talked about helmets. That's how they talked about visors. That's how they now talk about cages. Anyhow, Islanders victorious. They live to uh, to play another day. Uh, they beat the Carolina Hurricanes 3-2. Uh, the Oilers double up the Los Angeles Kings 6-3 to, to take a lead, and they can close out uh, in Game 6 in Los Angeles. And the Dallas Stars, led by Rupe Hins, who's right now the leading scorer in the playoffs in the NHL, 11 points in five games for Rupe Hins. Three assists yesterday by Hins. Uh, Tyler Sagan finds the back of the net. Jason Robertson, Ty Delandria, Mason Marchment. But the story there outside of Rupe Hins, really the big story for the Dallas Stars. Once again, the emergence of Jake Ottinger as the next great goaltender in the NHL. Get on all these pages with Elliot in a couple of seconds here. Welcome to the Merrick Show. This is the Jeff Merrick Show on the Sportsnet Radio Network. All right, apologies for the coughing off the top. Speaking of which, Elliot's going to stop by in a couple of moments. Uh, John Shorthouse joins me at the bottom of the hour from the NHL on Sportsnet and Hockey Night in Canada. The Boston Bruins, one win away from handshakes against the Florida Panthers. Uh, that one is on tonight, and don't look now, but it's a return of Patrice Bergeron. Whatever happened, you don't change a winning lineup. Well, when it comes to someone like Patrice Bergeron, you change a winning lineup. Uh, it is Wednesday. That means Greg Wyshynski from ESPN will stop by. And uh, he's got to feel right chuffed these days in the past couple of games. Feel pretty pretty proud of himself. Feel pretty good about himself. Picking the Edmonton Oilers to win the Stanley Cup and all. And also must feel pretty chuffed as his New Jersey Devils have very much made this a series against the New York Rangers. Uh, the OA series, the 1992 AHL final between Adirondack and St. John's we've been talking so much about. Uh, it seems as if you know both teams are uh, unable to win at home, but that's fine. Here we go. Now it's the best two out of three, and uh, there is another Swiss star with the, with the New Jersey Devils to go along with Heischer and Siegenthaler and Timo Meyer, and that is Akira Schmid, who is the number one netminder for this team Period. He has been putting on a show, and this is, again, the emergence of Jack Hughes as an elite-level superstar. New Jersey has always been Greg's team, going back to when he was a, a young Wyshynski. Uh, so we'll get his thoughts on the Devils, get his thoughts on the Edmonton Oilers. And, uh, you know, with all of our guests, we're going to go through, you know, what we're going to see this evening. Now, we're starting to sort of pare down here a little bit. Hope you enjoyed those four-game evenings and the time staggers that were involved. You got a game starting at 7 o'clock Eastern. This is awesome. And then 7.30, okay, maybe I'm going to miss a little bit of the first period of the early game, but then it's a nice stagger. You can go back and forth if you're not a two-screen person already. Um, but right now, we're down to two games tonight. Uh, you can watch one of them on CBC and Sportsnet, and that is the Florida Panthers and the Boston Bruins. That gets underway at 7 o'clock. Later, it's the Seattle Kraken without Jared McCann, facing off against the Colorado Avalanche without Kale McCarr. Now, we've seen the Avalanche before play quite well, thank you very much, without Kale McCarr. Now, it's never your choice to have him out of the lineup, but 16-3-2 and 
Colorado's record in the regular season without Kale McCarr. If you missed it, he got the one game suspension for the for the late hit on, on Jared McCann in game four. So no McCarr for the Colorado Avalanche. Uh, we know all about um, Gabriel Landeskog not available for the playoffs. I don't think anybody expects Valeri Nachushkin uh, to be back either. Uh, but McKinnon is playing great. Rantanen is playing great. The one thing that we have seen before, when Kale McCarr is out of the lineup, Bo Byram goes next level. Now, it, it sounds to me, or at least feels to me anyhow, as if um, the Avalanche are probably going to keep Sam Girard and Devon Taves together as a pair, and then the question becomes, who plays with Bo Byram here? Who is the, the pair? But what we've seen with Byram, the emerging star on that blue line, because they need more great defensemen, they don't have a monopoly on them already, is this guy completely takes over. And he kind of looks like Kale McCarr Light, specifically on the power play, when he starts wheeling the puck up high. So it's always better, obviously, when you have Kale McCarr in your lineup. What do we always say about McCarr? If Connor McDavid were a defenseman, he would be Kale McCarr. Um, but they're going to be just fine. Now, the question becomes, how is Seattle going to be without Jared McCann, 40-goal score, and those don't fall off of trees, and they don't certainly don't fall off of trees in Seattle, where it is scoring by committee and offense by committee. And right now, this is the best two out of three, and the Seattle Kraken are feeling real good about themselves heading into this one. Again, only two games tonight, Florida Panthers and Boston Bruins, Seattle Kraken facing off against the Colorado Avalanche. As we're joined now by Elliot Friedman from Hockey Daddy Canada um, and 32 Thoughts. Hello, Friedge. How are you today? Okay, so let me get this straight. You just said that if Connor McDavid was a defenseman, he'd be Kale yeah. McCarr. I think like, shouldn't yeah. it be the other way around? Shouldn't it be if Kale McCarr was a forward, he'd be Connor McDavid? I think this is openly sure, disrespectful you... of, of McDavid. You are disrespecting McDavid to start your <laughs> Why do you always just look to get me in trouble with everybody? Because like, it's funny. It's become like a mission of yours to, to to twist my words and try to get you know angry phone calls. Oh, I heard Elliot said you said this about me today. Well, because you know why, Jeff? Way, Normally, people tonight. are angry at me. I'm deflecting. Normally, people are angry about <laughs> me for something. I want them yeah. to be mad at right. you instead of me. Okay, so heat by proxy. Oh, no, it wasn't me. It was Merrick. Um, just because I sit next to you some Saturday nights on hockey night doesn't mean I should take your uh, your bullets, but there we go. Hey, before we get to the games, um, the NHL announcing today the Global Series goes to Stockholm. Avicii Arena, formerly the Ericsson Globe. Um, Detroit plays Ottawa. Toronto plays Detroit. Minnesota plays Ottawa. Toronto plays Minnesota. This all gets underway November the 16th and extends through the 19th. We know all about you know the, uh, the Australian games as well between the Arizona Coyotes and the Los Angeles Kings. Um, listen, I, I think things like this are great. I love it. I know teams kind of grouse about it um, uh, you know, that deep into the season, even though it's only yeah. about a, a month and a half, but still the, the travel. Um, but we're not talking about you know Western Conference teams that are in the Pacific yeah. time zone here. But still, your, your thoughts on the, on the choice of teams uh, going to Stockholm. And I always ask, what's the end game here for the NHL other than to extend their brand globally? Well, I think that's enough of a. I think that's enough of an end game is to get is to get out there and, and have people see your product, right? Like you look at the quality of players that could be going overseas. It's it's never bad to have those players available to more fans. I'm the one that really intrigued me. Obviously, was the Maple Leafs because the way this works is they buy you out of a home game, right? 
Like they must be really convinced yeah, yes. they're going to be able to sell uh, plenty of tickets for this one because um, because you know you got to buy the Maple Leafs out of a home game unless they're the visitor twice in this. Um, no, it looks like they're. The, hang on, hang on, one one second. It looks like they're the visit. It's a good point, and I think they're the visitor in both. I think the game against Detroit, they're the visitor, uh, and the game against uh, Minnesota, they're the visitor as well. So there's there the hook. Go. They don't have to buy the Maple Leafs out of a home game. They can keep that nice. They can keep that that ATM machine that is Scotiabank Arena uh, flowing with cash, Elliot. No one, no one. I'm, I'm glad you told me game. that. I'm glad you told me that because that was the first thing I thought about. Are they buying Toronto out of a home game? Because that means you got to sell a lot no of way, tickets. Man. But yeah, so but you know yeah. what? I think it's good that the Maple Leafs go over. I'll tell you the funniest reaction I got was from a buddy of mine who's a big Leaf fan. He goes, "Oh, I guess this means they're not trading Nylander. And I go, "That's what you glean <laughs> out of this particular move? Like that's what you come up with?" So I, I, I guess that uh, Nylander and Liljegren are still going to be with the team next year. That's what this indicates, yes, because that's what the uh, that's what the hockey team does. They they coordinate with the NHL who they're going to be moving based on where they're going in the global series. Yes, yes, that's what they do. By the way, I have to tell you, I was walking by uh, one of the high schools near my house, and uh, there was uh, yeah. someone wa- someone walking by me, uh, one of the – uh, girls who goes to school there. She was wearing a bunting jersey, and uh, I, I saw. It and she looks at me. She goes, "Showing my support for Michael Bunting today." So I thought that was a, a neat little tidbit. <laughs> did Did you ask her who she wants out of the lineup? No, I I I, I didn't really go that far. You, you know, Jeff, you should have been here. You would have thought of it. I didn't think of it. Um, we'll get on the Maple Leafs page here in a couple of seconds. One thing that I mentioned off the top and. I think eventually the league is going to have this conversation. I know people don't want to have it. I'm just going to bring it up just as a matter of, hey, we've talked about it. Um, we had a lot of fun last night on the podcast talking about Zach Hyman and how yep. tough his skin is. And, you know, the shot goes, you know, the Bouchard shot comes in and, and goes off his face and goes in, and that's great. And we saw earlier yep. before that in the Islanders-Carolina uh, game, the situation with Sebastian Ajo catches him flush. Brock Nelson bats it in. Really high-skilled play. Um, not that long ago, we saw Morgan Barron with the skate incident in the face. Yep. Uh, the skate of Laurent Boissois, netminder for Vegas. I don't know. Trouble comes in threes. This is all just a coincidence. I, yeah. I've always maintained I'm surprised that more players aren't getting hit in the face uh, by pucks uh, from shots from the point, either deflected or clean. I'm still surprised that more players don't get skates in the face. Thankfully, they don't. But I always yeah. cringe when I see these gold mouse scrambles from this time of time of year. Are we any closer, do you think, to having the conversation, much like they had about helmets once upon a time after Bill Masterton, much like they've had about visors, are we anywhere closer to having the cage conversation? I, you know, I just, um, whenever something happens, yes, the the conversation comes up. I, I completely agree with you, Jeff. That's just the way we are. We're a reactive society. Um, Mm Mm-hmm. We just got to visors mandatory, right? And this year we got to uh, help mandatory and warm up, although grandfathered in. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I, I don't think we're there yet. I Will we get there eventually? Yeah, probably. But, like, I have never heard of any groundswell from players that they want that. And ultimately the players have to agree to it, right? 
Like I've ne- I've never yep. I've never gotten any of that vibe that that's what they want. So at this point in time, I would say no. But you know, Jeff, like you know how we are. If something happens, that's when the conversation pipes up and you just hope we never get to a point where people feel that it's so dangerous that it necessarily has to happen. Last night was a wild night seeing yeah. those two guys get hit in the face and goals off both plays. Yeah. Like, it's just, I mean, both plays. It, it, it's one of those <laughs> nights where you look outside and you say, like, what's in the sky that's causing this mysticism here? Yeah, you know, and the the the, the Zach Hyman play is the is a particularly in, intriguing one. Although oh, the Brock Nelson one was a more high skill play, but you know, I've I've talked on this program on the podcast just how much I like Zach Hyman. Uh, I love the story. Um, I remember watching him in Tier Two playing with Hamilton, and you could tell he had a lot of skill. And the boots are always holding him back. And here's a guy that's just like to be blunt, flat out worked and worked and worked and worked. Um, to get his skating up to an NHL level, and now he's there, and he's fine. So to everyone who thinks that, oh, they can't skate in minor hockey or junior hockey, they'll never play in the NHL, um, see Zach Hyman or John Tavares or Brian Boyle or and, 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 uh, that that continues. Um, but, you know, uh, you know like, one I'll of the things I... will tell you a quick I, story I, if I can. I was, I, I, was sure. at the gym this, I was at the gym this morning, and I know that already makes this story okay. unbelievable to many people. But I was I was at the gym this morning, and a woman came up to me. She's a she's a mother, and her her son is 16 years old, and he's a goalie uh, in the in the GTHL. And so they had yep. the OHL draft last week, and he did not get taken. Yep. And you know her yep. son was devastated. He was uh, it was really hard on him. He thought he was going to have to get drafted. He was he was told he was kind of on the list. And he didn't get taken. And, you know, like, like Zach Hyman is a perfect example. Like, Steve Thomas never drafted 1,000 games. Adam Oates never drafted Hockey Hall of Fame. Um, you know, like, I remember when, when Hyman was playing, when Hyman was drafted, like, people made fun of it. And when Hyman was traded to Toronto, you know, people said he's a Dylan Larkin creation. Like, if he doesn't play with Dylan Larkin at yeah. Michigan – um, you know, the keys, nobody's even looking at him. And I, I think it's a reminder that it doesn't turn out uh, wonderfully or perfect or storybook for everyone, but it can. <laughs> and if you're willing to put in the work and if you're determined yeah. and, uh, and you are willing to have the right attitude to turn negatives into positives, you can make a, a huge totally. difference. You can overcome odds. And I think that's why, like, I'm happy you pointed out Hyman on the pod last night and why you're talking about him today because young, uh, that, that, what happened with that woman at the gym this morning is a reminder that, you know, young people need that kind of inspiration. You know, they think you've got to be a number one pick or a first-round pick or if you don't get taken in the first nope. round when you're 16, your life's over. Like, it's not, it's not that way. And that's why I think it's important you bring up stories like Hyman's. You know, you, you should have told her, don't do what my podcast colleague did when he didn't get drafted to, into, into the OHL when he was 16, because that was my story. I didn't get drafted, and I quit, Elliot. That way, yeah. I was devastated, and I quit. So to really? that woman that you met at the gym, don't be like, don't be like Merrick. Although, you know what? I got to say, the payoff for Hyman has been fantastic through all of it. Like, all that hard work got somewhere for Hyman. And, and just think about... 
Like, I think Zach Hyman's a really, like, A, I think he's a wonderful hockey player, too. I think he's a really decent person. And yeah. I don't know what he did in a previous life, but consider this. In the NHL, you know, he's played with, he's gone from playing with Austin Matthews to playing with Connor McDavid. I don't know what he did in a previous life, Elliot, but it must have been really, really good to get this kind of reward professionally because I can't think of many other players. You know, like who, you know, who, who rode shotgun with Gretzky and Lemieux? Well, it's yeah. someone in the NHL that's rode shotgun with Austin Matthews and Connor McDavid and that's Zach Hyman. So good things happen to good people sometimes. I would say Craig Simpson would be the answer to your first question. That is the one I knew you were going to go to, uh, 100%. Yeah. Um, By the way, I will say this too. There's a lot of things I tell people: don't do what Jeff Merrick did. Yeah, no, don't worry. I'm. uh, I've. I've realized the. uh, The goal of my life is uh, to serve (laughs) as a warning to others. That's that's the, the reason I'm still sharing oxygen with everybody. As a, be a warning to others, Merrick. Be a warning to others. Don't do what you did. Um, Craig, you know, it's interesting you mentioned Craig Simpson too as Zach Hyman because I see a lot of similarities in their game. Like they dine out in front, they work hard. Yeah. Pucks like all getting cross-checked in the back, and uh, pucks going off every part of their body. I'm I'm glad you mentioned Craig Simpson because there's there's some symmetry there between him and uh, and Zach Hyman. Um, what did you make of that game last night, the uh, the Oilers and the and the Los Angeles Kings? Well, really shaky first period for the two goalies. Uh, Skinner righted himself. Um, you know, obviously, L.A. made the change, and it was 4-2 to two to Copley. I, I think Corpusella will end up back there. Like, I wonder what Woodcroft was thinking. Was he thinking one more, and I make the change as well? Uh, but Skinner right himself, reclaimed the net, did a good job. Um, I think, you know, I, I think L.A.'s depth was better earlier in the series. I think Edmonton's depth is better now. And, like, you need your superstars, and you need your depth. You need both. And... You know, that's what that's what the Oilers are starting to get in this series. Um, you know, I, I just think that, um, I, I honestly, to me, that's kind of what it is, is look who's starting to score for them. And it's not just McDavid. It's, it's the people around him. It's the people uh, down the lineup. And um, I think Kelly is going to have to answer that. I think their depth players and their star players are going to have to be, are going to have to be a lot better. Um, you know, we talked about it last night, Jeff, about Brant Clark. Um, you know, I was talking to someone yeah. this morning, like, do you really feel comfortable throwing that guy in? And what he said to me was, if you look at the Kings third pair right now, it was, you know, they took Edler out, they put Walker in and, but it's yeah. clear from their usage last night that that third pair is making McClellan a bit nervous. So, like, if if the third pair was playing well or McClellan seemed to be comfortable with what was going on there, you wouldn't make the change at all. But because the Kings seem a little unsure, uncertain about what they got there, you said he would put them in. Um, number one, this is a big part of your future. Uh, Clark, you've already told uh, him that he's not getting traded. So, clearly, he's a huge part of where you're going to go. If that's the case... Put him in there, get the experience, see what it's like, and and maybe he does give you a bit of an offensive jolt uh, after the year they've had. Like it's like it, like at the beginning of the series, I thought the Kings were kind of trending up, and the Oilers were treading water. Now I think the Oilers are treading are are, are trending up, and the Kings are trending uh, treading water. So what are you going to do to get yourself out of it? 
script is flipped there clearly. Um, you know, one player we didn't talk about on the uh, the podcast that came out this morning that we should spend some, you know, park some time talking about here since he's the the number one scorer in the playoffs right now, and that's Rupe Hins. So yeah. the Dallas Stars beat the uh, Minnesota Wild four nothing last night. Rupe Hins with three assists. He's got eleven points uh, in five games. We've talked a lot about that top line, but you know, normally we talk about you know the goal scoring of Jason Robertson. Or we'll yep. talk about Joe Pavelski. And there's a there's a great saying out there among some hockey people about Joe Pavelski, some of the, some of the older guys, uh, where they describe Joe Pavelski as too old, too slow, but too good. That's Joe mm-hmm. Pavelski. And we talk a lot about him in Hall of Fame, etc. I don't know that we park, we've parked enough time talking about just how good Rupe Hins is. Like, we look at Hins and we say, you know, speed to burn, play in all situations, all of it. But... I think that the story of the stars is Jake Ottinger. He's been phenomenal. But a close second is Rupe Hins here. He's done everything that Peter DeBoer has asked of him and probably more. Yes, I would agree with you on that. I think Ottinger has been the difference maker in the series just because the Wild have had so many breakaways they haven't scored on. It's a very different series if if the Wild can score on some of these breakaways. So I'm with you on Ottinger. You know, the, 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 but the number two story of the series after him is that, you know, the Wild can't kill penalties, and Hintz is a very big part of that. Um, you know, uh, Robertson got going last night. He got a goal. That's going to be big for him. Yep. You know, like, Rupe Hintz, he's a number one center, Jeff. And, like, yep. like that's all you need to know. Like, like, how many true good number one centers are in this league? And to be honest, the name recognition, if you were to go through them all, he'd probably be very low. But... You know, the the team knows how good he is, and the people who play against him know how good he is. And, uh, you know, it's – like, I I think he's been tremendous. Like, it's, it's interesting looking at some of the scoring leaders here. Like, there are not a lot of names that that you would you would think there. Like, you know, uh, Pionk, for example, in Winnipeg, he's had a, had a, a great yeah. numbers, even though the team is not winning. But, like, you, you take a look at some of the people near the top of the playoff scoring – and there's a lot of good players who you wouldn't think of, and, and Hintz is one of them for sure. And he's the top dog right now. All right, uh, a couple of games tonight. Um, the Seattle Kraken and the Colorado Avalanche. No McCann, no Makara. I want to get there. But first, um, the Florida Panthers and the Boston Bruins. Like I don't think that Florida has you know, thrown in the towel on this series. I know that mountain seems really, really high here uh, for them to climb. I don't think it's, you know, oh, we're just, you know, winding our wristwatch on the way to the electric chair. That's not what the Florida Panthers are are thinking right now. But what do you do? I mean, the Boston Bruins go into Florida. um, No Bergeron. You think maybe they're taking a knee. Florida can get a split. Maybe two, who knows? It's a different series after game two. Not a chance. And now Bergeron returns how do you see this one tonight backs against the wall Bruins up three to one well I I just think that there's a bunch of of Panthers players who have to get to a higher level and I I think Barkov is one of them I think that uh, I think playoff Barkov has to come out Um, you know he's a gentlemanly player uh, you know uh, and I think everybody respects it but Jeff choir boys don't win the Stanley Cup you know you have to you, uh, you have to, Ryan you, O'Reilly. You have to, yeah, okay, that's supposed But the thing is, he plays hard. Like, he doesn't commit a lot 100%. of penalties, but, totally. but he plays yeah. He plays a really hard game. I think I think we're at a point where we need to see Barkov start to play a bit of a harder game. Um, 
Uh, okay, so you named one potential choir boy that might have won the Stanley Cup. Uh, <laughs> but won the Conn Smythe too. Like the thing is, the thing is about the uh, like. I I just think like I, I'm looking at the Panthers and I just think there's more players that that have to get to a higher level. Um, I'm I haven't checked yet. What, have the Panthers indicated what they're going with in goal tonight or who's in the starters net? Um, I'm I'm curious about that. Do they go back to Bobrovsky? Do they go back to Lyon? I mean, the Bruins are a really tough out, um, but I'm with you. Like, when you're down Bergeron and Krejci for two games in Florida, you're expecting those games to be a little bit closer. So here, here this was Paul Maurice's line this morning. Quote, everybody's healthy, everybody's game time, and then I'll tell you the truth later. Paul Maurice. <laughs> That's a good line, actually. <laughs> That's a great line. Um, by the way, uh, Jim Montgomery, for what it's worth, says that Patrice Bergeron technically is a game-time decision. Yeah, I think he's going to play. Tonight. So, well, I, I think he's going to play, too. Um, before I wrap here, quick quick thought on Seattle, Colorado. I mean, that's the uh, the second game on the board this evening. No McCarr, no McCann. Uh, I have a hard time believing they'd separate Gerard and Taves because they've been real good. I, one of the I questions heard you. becomes who plays with Bo Byram here, but... Um, what do you think of this one? Well, I think you make a great point about Byram. It's like they always used to joke whenever Crosby was out, Malkin got hot. There is a little bit yes. of that, as you yes. mentioned, with, with McCarr and Byram. I think Byram will get up to the challenge. You know, like, I, I just think, you know, for Colorado, the story is becoming, you know, who's out as much as who's in. And, uh, you know, they're, they're going to be missing an awful lot tonight. They're going to be facing a very a suddenly – extremely confident opponent. And, uh, you know, I, I, I think that, like, the, one of the things is, is that there haven't been too many moments in this series where the Avalanche have got control of a game early. Like, that's what I'm waiting for. Like, they, oh, no. they, Not at they, all. they get out of the gate fast and they control a game from the beginning. And they haven't done that really at all this series. Seattle always seems to start better than the Avalanche do, I think it's time Colorado started on time. Uh, they've been waiting. Jared Bednar would, would love that, but Seattle's been jumping all over them uh, early in this series so far. Uh, one final thought, John Shorthouse on the other side. Um, yep. And this is sort of a, a nod to your friend, your, uh, your young friend who you saw going to school today with the bunting jersey. The extra day, is this uh, a benefit for the Maple Leafs or a benefit for the Tampa Bay Lightning? I know it's torture, for Maple Leafs fans who have to wait one more day until, you know, they can all, you know, gather at Maple Leaf Square. But who does this extra day benefit more, Tampa or Toronto? Oh, I, I like, I, I think it benefits Tampa. Like, if I was the Leafs, I would have wanted to play the next morning. Like, let's go. Let's just, let's yes. just get this out there and, yeah. and let's go. It benefits Tampa, but I, I think the, the, the thing that has been proven in the last two games is that at least right now the Maple Leafs are very resilient. Like, I think they can handle a lot of stuff that's thrown at them. They proved it in, in games three and four. I think it benefits Tampa, but I don't think it'll bother Toronto as much as it might have, like, two or three years ago. So I, I don't think it's a, it's, a, it's a huge deal one way uh, or the other. 
Okay, on uh, on that, we'll let you get back to your uh, to your regularly scheduled activities. Now that you got your workout in and you won the day, the rest of it is free and clear for you. Thanks, Fridge. We'll talk soon. Yeah, I, I lose the day when I show up and see Kevin later. Can't win them all, Fridge. <laughs> can't win them all. Uh, Elliot Friedman from Thirty Two Thoughts and Hockey Night uh, in Canada. We'll-